Well, good morning. I mean, how do I have to follow that? There's just a bunch of babies up here, and now you got to watch me. I, you know what, I just want to start, and I just want to say I'm so glad and blessed to be a part of a church that takes the next generation seriously, uh, that commits to walking alongside families. This is actually the third time I've been able to take part in the dedication here at Connection. Um, and it's been all odd years, 2015 with my oldest, then 2017, then now 2019, uh-oh, 2021. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But I'm glad that our church emphasizes families. And, and do you know why we emphasize families here? Because God does. And he doesn't care what your family looks like, he just cares. And so we, we care as well. So I'm kicking off this new series, Fixer Upper. Today we're going to be talking about what the Bible says is a foundation of a great family. Now, a quick caveat, we are going to be talking about parenting a lot this morning, specifically parenting of younger children, but even if you already have kids that are older, maybe you don't have kids yet, doesn't mean you can check out this morning. Track with me, stay with me, because we're going to see that you are important as well, that you are witnesses to the commitment that we as parents just made to our children and that you committed to walking alongside us. Now, I'm very confident that a number of you, when you saw that Fixer Upper logo on your bulletin, you probably thought of a certain family, maybe a couple. Does anyone, this look familiar to anyone? Who is that? Anyone who that is? That's Chip and Joanna Gaines. They are the, uh, you know, the, the show Fixer Upper. Uh, Chip is the goofball. I, I feel like when I've researched them that this actually is very similar to mine and my wife's relationship. Their relationship, where you have the really goofball, and then you have Joanna, who is very practical and a little more reserved, kind of like how, how we are. But the best part of the show comes at the very end. At the very end of the show, they, they, they take a mural of an old house, so this family has come in, and they've bought this old house that was terrible, and they have to come in and fix it up. And so they put a huge mural in front of the family, in front of the old ho- and new house, and then it's got a picture of the old house on it. So they get to see their old house, and then they pull the mural apart, and you get to see this new home, this new thing. Sometimes it looks completely different than the original. And today we're going to be talking about how God is the ultimate fixer-upper. He's not just fixing up houses. He's making lives brand new. And just like in the show, we're going to see it doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen by accident. It takes work and trust and faith and consistency with your family. We're going to be in the book of Psalm this morning. Psalm chapter 127 is where we're going to be uh, going to be reading through. So you can get your Bibles out or your Bible apps open. And if you have a hard copy Bible, if you just open up to the middle, you're going to probably have a good shot of landing in Psalm. I just pulled up in the Psalm 149 right there. So right about the middle, if you need to go to the table of contents, that's totally fine. The book of Psalms starts with a P. And you can go there in the Old Testament and find that. As you're turning or swiping to Psalm 127, Um, A little background. It was written by Solomon. He was a king. He was the third king of Israel, the son of King David. He was also a man who had God-given wisdom that surpassed anyone in history, any human in history. So let's just say he probably had a good grasp on what God wants. So whenever we read this psalm in chapter 127, verse 1, we're going to see this. It says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders... Is wasted. The first thing we see for a great foundation for your family is parents, you need to let the Lord build your home. That comes right out of verse one there. With our family or even just our life, when it needs to be fixed up, we have to let God be the builder. 
We, every, every house, every home needs to have an architect, has a blueprint, a builder. God needs to be all of it in your lives. See, I think that there's three different thought processes that you might have that, that are that what this verse is talking about. The first thought process says that God does nothing and we do everything. These are the people we might call atheists. They don't believe in God. Or maybe they're the Christians who say they believe in God but act like he doesn't, doesn't live and doesn't act in their life. The second is the people that say God does everything and we do nothing. This is the other extreme. These are the people that might just say, oh, I'll pray for you, but they don't actually do anything, right? These are the people that, that really just say, oh, I'm going to leave it up to God, but then they, they sit on their hands and don't do anything. And the third person that, the third thought process is the one that it's really hitting home that we need to be is God does everything and we do something, See, I have a daughter, my oldest, you met my, my youngest earlier, Hannah, my oldest daughter just turned four, and her name's Naomi, and she's wonderful, but she's also uh, a little bit stubborn, we found out, as she's getting older. But we were out riding bikes as a family, and uh, she has, you know, a bike with training wheels on it, and she was trying to go, and she was doing okay, she would, you know, sometimes hit a bump in the sidewalk or go in the grass, and, and she, was, she couldn't do it all by herself. So she was trying to try, and whenever I would try and come to help her, Katie would try and go to help her. She got really mad and didn't want us to help. But then she'd get back on, and she'd try and pedal, and then go in the grass, and then get mad, and eventually she just gave up. She got really mad, and we're like, all right, I guess we're not riding bikes. All right? That's, that's the person that says God does nothing, and we do everything. She's trying to do it all by herself, and she couldn't. She needed the help of, of her father. The second is those people that say God does everything, we do nothing. So what I could have done with my daughter is I could have just put my hands on the handlebar and just pushed her along. And actually, this is one of the bikes that the pedals don't move with the, with the wheels because they don't want to hurt a kid if they're learning. So she could have just been sitting there doing nothing, and I was pushing and guiding the whole time with her. doing. That wouldn't have helped anyone. That wouldn't have been what our purpose was. We wanted her to learn how to ride a bike. We wanted her to be outside and do all those things. It would not help if she was doing nothing and I was doing everything. What we ended up doing and what ended up working for us is I would actually sit, lean over and put my hands on her feet and push her feet around with the pedals while she had her hand on the handlebars and was steering. And sometimes, yeah, I got to reach up and guide it because she goes into the grass. Or maybe she hits a bump and she gets a little bit off. But I was doing all this work for her. But she wasn't just sitting there. She was doing something. And that is what we are called to do. And here now, as parents, that's what we, we need to be letting, letting uh, God build our home. But the church, everyone here, this church family, the church helps build. Builders, as Solomon's referring to in that Psalm 127, they, they don't have to just be the parents. God has surrounded families, parents, with a church family that's willing and a lot of times able to help. I love what Paul says. He's the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this, You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. That should give some great encouragement to you. It does to me as a parent. 
I love that God has set up a family to help my family. God has set up this family to help families. It's people with a, a mindset, common mindset that are helping each other out. When we jump back into verse one, we're going to see something else here. Verse one, the second part of it says, unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. This verse tells us that we need, as parents, we need to let the Lord protect your family. Don't you just love those stories of like parents doing some like supernatural thing to save their child? Like a kid gets stuck under a car and then the mom runs over, or the dad runs over, and it gets enough adrenaline to be able to pick up the car enough to get their child out. You may have heard those stories before. Well, I have one of those stories. All right, I do. It's not a car though. Don't, I, maybe I set it up too good. All right, so when I was in high school, uh, my wife, Katie, we were in a high school. We weren't married yet. All right, but we were on a mission trip in Oklahoma, and uh, we were staying in people's homes. And one night, we had a pool party at this nice home in Oklahoma, and the pool was built into the deck. That just kind of gives you an idea. It was like a three-story home, and they had a pool built into their deck. And so we're all swimming, having a good time. Well, there was a loose board on the ground by the pool. And one of the teens there, one of the other teenagers had, had pushed it through. And so now there's this, this hole, you know, like a, a, that you see at the bottom of a deck. It's not huge, but it's there. Well, we were all being very aware of it and cautious of it, but I was getting ready to jump off the diving board and probably do like a triple flip or something awesome. I don't know. So I was getting ready to jump into the, in the swimming pool. While I'm on the diving board, little known to me, Katie is walking, talking to some friends over on the side. And she's not paying attention while she's talking, and she steps in the hole and falls in, and her leg gets stuck right at her knee. She could not get out. She, so all of a sudden, I'm going to jump. All of a sudden, I hear this scream. And I look over, and I see my, my girlfriend at the time, but someone I loved very much in absolute pain and agony. So what I do is I, I don't jump in, and I, I run off the board, and I run over. There's already her friends are, have, are grabbing the side of the board that her knee's stuck under, trying to pull it out so she can get out. And I come over, when I get over there, I go full-on Hulk mode, all right? So I run over, I grab the other side, and I just, in like one motion, just yank up the board and pull it off, and she's able to get out. And I was like, yeah! I was like, and hearing applause in my head. But, but I did all that because I was wanting to protect her. And I, that, and, but here's the cool thing, here's the crazy thing. God doesn't need adrenaline to protect you. God can always do that. He always has that energy, that ability to be able to do that. He doesn't need to get an adrenaline, a shot to be able to come protect your kids in your home. So we need to be leaning into that and quit trying to do it all ourselves. And you might be asking, how practically, what can I do to help the Lord protect my family? And I think one of the best places to start is by reading God's word. There is so much protection and there's so much wisdom in there. There's so much comfort and peace that you can protect your family just by knowing scripture and learning what the Bible says. Jesus, there's a story where he's tempted by Satan and he's weak physically because he's been fasting, he hasn't eaten and he's very weak and Satan comes with scripture to tempt him, to get him to sin. And every time Satan used the scripture, which is kind of crazy that Satan knows scripture that well. Just think about that. That might make you a little more humble as you're learning scripture. Satan comes in, knows scripture, and uses scripture to twist it to get Satan, to get Jesus to sin. And Jesus, every time, just knocks back a scripture and says, uh-uh, that's not what the Bible says. Here's what God says. 
And he did that three times. And on the third time, Satan had to leave. To bring it back to everyone here, here's what the church does. The church helps protect. How do we help protect? Well, we teach the Bible here. Every month right now going on in our children's, in our children's wing for Children's Church, they're, they're learning about Jesus. They're learning about God and his love for us. They're memorizing scripture. There's a memory verse every single month that you as a parent can learn with your child. When Jesus was setting the church in motion, I love this, this passage. It's, from, it's what Jesus said to, to Peter. He said this in Matthew 16, 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Listen to what it says next. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Not even all the powers of hell will conquer the church. I know I want my family at that place. As we continue to read through this psalm, we get to my favorite part. This is my favorite one. All the parents, you will love it too, I hope. And I assume you will if you have little ones. Verse 2. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. For all of you that have little ones or you have before, don't you love this verse? He grants rest. He gives us sleep. Kids are exhausting, you know? I mean, before I had kids, I thought I was exhausted. I was like, you know, I was working a lot. I had, you know, I was at school taking 18 to 21 credit hours. I was working at the church. I was newly married, and I thought I was tired. However, some of my friends that had kids probably looked at me like this. And then I had a kid, and, and I started to see what they were talking about, right? And, and then I had another kid, and it got worse. And then we started thinking about having a third kid, and then my thought process was kind of like, like this. <laughs> you know how I envision? And one of, my kid, one of my velociraptors doesn't even crawl yet, all right? And it's, and it's true, all right? Sometimes the best place for just a little break is an extended trip to the bathroom, but they find you, right? I, I have just now, I guess the last step is acceptance. I have come to accept this. It's just not going to happen. We're just not going to make sleep happen. I love that we have a God that values rest. I mean, he set us an example whenever he created the universe. He took a day of rest. He didn't have to rest. He's God. But he was showing us an example. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And again, how the whole church comes into this, the church provides relief. Katie and I, we were talking about how many different people from this church have watched our children over the years. And just with when you consider babysitting at our house or their house or maybe a Bible study here at church or just some sort of event, we counted easily over 20 people from this church that have watched our children. I can't tell you how much of a blessing it is. That doesn't even include the volunteers from pre-K down who teach my kids about Jesus right now. If that's the case, it's over 40, over 50 that have spent time and given Katie and I relief. 
See, we had Easter a couple weeks ago, and uh, we had two services. We had a 9 a.m. service and a 10-10 service, and, and one of our families walked in that morning, and as she walked in, the mom walked in and saw me and said, kind of not expecting there to be, you know, whenever you're asked a question and you're not ready for the answer, or you kind of, it's not what you want it to be, and she said, are we having, is there children's church for first service? She was coming expecting to bring her kids into church with her. I said, no, we haven't. And then the relief that you could see on her face when she's like, oh, I get to go and worship while my children can worship in their, at their age group in their class. One other way that we can provide relief, and we've done this in the past, is we've done great date night here at church where we've given parents an opportunity to come essentially get free childcare. And so they can go on a date, and we're going to be bringing that back uh, over the summer, a chance to, for, for volunteers to devote their time to come up here, give up a Friday or Saturday night, so parents can drop their kids off here, and they can just have time alone, away from their kids. Because here's the deal, I love my kids very, very, very much. I can honestly say I've told them I love them every single day of their life, but I also love when I'm not with them. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you understand? Like, I love them very much, and I feel like the reason I love them so much is because I don't have to be around them all the time. Because I have a church family that has helped provide relief, and I have a God that gives rest. So if you or maybe are someone out there that, that likes kids and wants to maybe help with that, help bless families, I'd love to talk with you about being a part of that ministry. And here's something to think about. Kids in the future, they will decide what they think about the church by how we treat their parents. So these kids, they're going to see that you devoted your Friday night, you devoted a time, and they may not notice it right away, but when they start growing up and getting older and they start developing their own faith and developing their own thoughts on the church, they're going to remember that time that, that you, in your 60s, came up to a, 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 an event and spent time with kids and fed them pizza and watched a kid's movie. They're going to love it. They're going to remember those, and they're going to say, oh, that's what the church is for. Acts chapter 2 gives us an insight into the very first, the, first, the church from the first century. The first century church said this, and all the believers, they met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Simply put, guys, the church is meant to take care of each other. When we go back to this, the last part of the psalm as we complete this chapter, Psalm 127, starting in verse 3, it says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. You see, I always knew that children were a gift. And speaking as someone who struggled to have children, took years to get our first, I get the idea of it being a gift, and it's something that's very special. But the scriptures also say that children are a reward. Children are also a reward. They're a blessing to us. You know, early in life, their blessings look kind of like poopy diapers and crying. You know, those are their way they bless you. But as they get older, they may start to listen and obey what you say. Maybe they start helping them with the younger siblings if they have them. Maybe they start doing housework. 
Eventually, they, they get older and, and they start to take care of themselves fully. And, you know, sometimes they take care of their parents financially whenever they get a job themselves. And many times, at the end of your life, your children are some of your best caretakers. So children are a gift, yes, but they also are a reward. And parents, this is, this is important. The church encourages you. Here's where the church comes in. We encourage. We encourage each other. There are many ways we encourage. People can give advice, encouragement through advice. We can give celebration, encouragement through celebration with you. They'll walk with you during the hard times when your children are struggling or maybe your marriage is struggling. The church can give words of wisdom because most likely, I can almost say this guaranteed, that someone in sitting right now in the chairs, if you are struggling with something as a young parent, someone in this room has gone through that same thing. And they have advice they can give you, and they have knowledge, and they have life experience that they can give you to help you through those times. Whether it's a rebellious child, whether it's financial struggles you're having, relationship problems you're having, maybe you even have a sick child. We encourage each other. I love how the Hebrew writer puts in chapter 10 of Hebrews. He says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to continue being plugged in and meeting together so we can encourage each other. To wrap everything up very nicely here is uh, this is why it's all important. Why what Psalm 127 is so important. I love how Jack Graham, he's a preacher in Texas, he said this. He said it like this, the Christian faith is not hereditary. It's generational, but it's not genetic. You don't inherit salvation in the sense that you're not born a Christian because you're born into a Christian family or because your parents have a religion, you have their religion. God has no grandchildren. He has sons and daughters. This is so important because eternity is at stake with every child. Every child that is in this room, every child that's in children's church, every family that's at home in our community and around the world, eternity is at stake. They are not born knowing about Jesus. They have to be taught. They are not born knowing God's love for them. They have to be shown his love. And they're not born knowing even what grace is. They have to receive it. God set up his church. He set up this church, Connection Christian Church, to help parents build an authentic faith in their children. Parents, you do not have to do it alone. And church, we need to help them. God never intended life to be lived in isolation. And what's true of individuals is also true of families. If you're a parent of a young child in this room, or you're listening, look around the room, and I want you to see all the people here that God has placed in your life to help you. And if you don't have kids yet, or you don't plan to have kids, or maybe your kids are grown, look around at the young families and see how you can help them. That's what families do for each other, and that is a great foundation for us to build on.